Welcome to The Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. Burnout. It's so ubiquitous. Kids have it in school. It can happen in every career. It can make us deeply indifferent or deeply tired, and it can be one of the root causes of errors. Joining us today is Dr. Jerry Williamson, Chief Medical Office of CHS Healthcare in Florida, and he's going to take us on a tour of this very serious and growing problem. Dr. Williamson, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Abby. If we take an overview of statistics, we see that upwards of 75% of people report some significant stress in any given month. So let's begin with an overview. Is burnout different than just being fed up or being tired? Well, it certainly can begin with being disenchanted with one's professional and personal life, then progress to what I would describe as an unhealthy stress level that may ultimately result in burnout. And stress, this is the wear and tear that individuals experience both physically and emotionally as we adjust to our changing environment. Individuals get in trouble when the level of stress that they experience at any particular time exceeds the adaptive resources that they have. So when people think about stress, they think of it as being necessarily bad, but it's not. Not all stress is bad. If stress is managed properly, it can be inspirational, and in some individuals even create a peak performance. So one needs to think about stress as something that needs to be managed, and it's not always, always bad. Okay, so then let's talk about some of the warning signs. What are some of the common warning signs? Well, when you think about stress and you think about burnout, and as I believe you know, my focus has always been on burnout in professionals, burnout for physicians and other professionals such as attorneys, but my focus has been specifically on physicians. The warning signals for burnout in these professionals is when they're in in an employment environment or in a practice where they find that what they're doing just isn't fun anymore. There's a loss of energy and motivation for what they're doing, almost a sense of paralysis about what they're doing and how to control it, what to do about it. They become somewhat angry, relationship distressed. They become quiet, introverted, and they isolate. They're either overeating or undereating, and physical complaints occur, an increasing number of headaches, increasing number of gastrointestinal problems. And if it progresses, there's substance abuse and alcohol abuse that takes place as well. So just like stress, from mild stress to more significant stress, burnout is as well. And that's why it's important to pick up some of the early signs so one can prevent this. And I want to get into some of the interventions in just a moment. Can burnout be reduced or perhaps even prevented by redefining the nature of one's work? For example, delegating responsibilities, a forced taking of time off, joining support groups and those sort of things. Does this work? Yes, it does. That's truly the treatment of burnout. You hit on something earlier in terms of what can one do to prevent it. I think it's important for physicians to understand, and I'm focusing now on the physician population, to understand that burnout is something that can be recognized by peers. Unfortunately, the peers that see their colleague burning out, if you will, they to some extent ignore it. And one of the important pieces is individuals understand that it's important for physicians who see this occurring in their colleague to assist their colleague. Physicians are usually seen as hardworking, driven individuals, prone to at times not really accepting criticism, especially if it's a personally focused criticism. The personality types then that suffer from this, I would assume are not exclusive to physicians, but any hard-driven person, or am I being too simplistic in my generalization? I think you're right in many ways, because as you say, physicians are very unique individuals. 
They're highly educated analytical thinkers. They want to be the best in their field. They love challenges. They desire perfection. They always want to be right. So having these qualities makes it very, very difficult for someone to approach them. However, if it is approached in the correct way, they will listen. And I became the individual that some of my colleagues many years ago were, were, were coming to me with some of these symptoms that we've talked about. Is it a good idea to discuss this with family as well? Well, it's interesting because what happens is that it's usually the spouse that is the first one to recognize some significant changes in the individual. And it's the spouse that brings it up to the individual usually. However, what happens is in the course of the burnout as a result of physical and mental exhaustion, they choose to isolate from their families and they're very, very close friends, the people that give them the support that is needed. So it becomes totally counterintuitive in terms of what takes place. And in that isolation, I guess we could easily project that that's when they come home and instead of having just one beer, they have two beers or three beers. They stop doing things with family on the weekend and it looks like a depression slipping in. Exactly. What happens is that the individuals prone to burnout are the kind of personality types that are highly motivated, dedicated, that are involved in their work. These are the people that are at risk. It's the individuals that see themselves as they place others above their own welfare, forget to recharge their batteries. And it's the battery that needs to be recharged that's not taking place. The end point of burnout can be making a medical mistake, or sometimes these people can even move to suicide. That is correct. That's exactly what can take place. They can move to suicide. The American Medical Association has been very clear about this as the end of a stress continuum leading from normal to increased stress to impairment. So these individuals are, in fact, impaired. Then if they are further handicapped by their own personality styles not to ask for help, they become even more dangerous to their patients. That is correct. They become more dangerous because they are experiencing physical and emotional impairment that does not permit them to care for their patients as they should. The data are very, very good about the medical errors that occur. As a result, physicians are at risk as well because they're at risk at losing their job. It speaks to the same issue that has come up in the media over the last five, ten years about interns and residents working 24, 36 hours to the point where they're too tired. They don't even know the right hand from the left hand. It's become illegal. We don't have a similar limitation for the practicing physician. No, we don't. And even there, in terms of the practicing physician versus the resident, now it's even more of a problem because what you find is that the workload that was previously done by the resident is now being done by the attending physician. And having to do some of that work, the amount of teaching has been reduced for those residents. So then the question becomes, are the residents receiving enough education to begin practicing? So it's, it's a dilemma. It's a dilemma either way. But I certainly endorsed that they were limiting the hours for residents because it became a very, very dangerous environment. Some have said that residents that are driving home at the end of a long shift are as impaired as someone that has had three or four beers. So it's a problem. And I would imagine the same would go to a surgeon who's spent too many hours in the operating room and then gets called back for another situation. Poor man or woman is falling asleep at the helm. If this happens repeatedly, this can also produce a deep, deep burnout. Yes, it can. In terms of what you were saying as far as this, the stage of burnout, it falls on a continuum. The early stages, the individual is very irritable, they're anxious, they're sleep deprived, they become forgetful, they have an inability to concentrate, Then, as I mentioned about the somatic complaints they have. 
as you get more into the middle stages of burnout, they're late for work. They're, they're procrastinators. They require a three-day weekend to charge their battery, but their battery is never charged. They're persistently tired in the morning and just have difficulty being able to get out of bed and getting to work. And the problem, as I said, they become socially withdrawn from friends and family, the people that they really depend on. But when you get the later stages, that's where it becomes potentially a suicidal event where they become depressed and they have just chronic mental fatigue, the headaches become chronic, and this increasing desire to escape from friends, work, and, and family. It brings up an interesting thing. So many doctors have their own private practices and they really don't have, or maybe they have a friend who will take call for them, but they're working seven days a week, 24 hours a day. They're always on call. In a hospital, they rotate call. They spend a lot of time making sure that pilots get time off and rest. There's someone monitoring this. What's frightening to me is there really is no monitor. So you can have a doctor who doesn't have an opportunity to take time off. He's got to work. Maybe we need to reset some of the basic parameters of how we allow doctors to work. This needs to be directed more to the medical students and residents. Unfortunately, there's a limited amount of, shall we say, benefits from things such as having time off to do things for the spouse. And what happens is that these physicians, once they go into a practice, they begin incurring debt. And at some point, they realize the only way they can pay off this debt is now by increasing the number of patients they see, increasing their, their practice. The debt is driving the work. Is there any sense, maybe there's not of a, a statistic as such, but is there any sense of when burnout is more common at the middle stage of a career, at the late stage of a career? Is there any feeling for that? There is. And it's interesting because data suggests that it is more common the early part of a career than at the later part of the career. 50% of medical students meet burnout criteria. So it's already starting at that point. And there have been some studies to suggest that after a single year of residency, 25% of psychiatry residents in one study were diagnosed with depression. So the younger physicians are more prone to burnout, and that may be a little bit of a surprise, but accurate. The more mature, the more seasoned physicians in their practice for 25 or 30 years has the option to basically say, okay, I've had enough. I'm, I'm not going to practice any longer. My concern is the young physician, this is what I've seen, is a young physician in their 30s and, and early 40s are, have been in practice for five years or, or six years or eight years and turn around and say, there's just too much pressure for me to be able to continue this and that I'm going to go ahead and find something else to do. And unfortunately, because of all the years in, uh, in practice, they really don't have the skill set. And so they basically step out into a world that they don't have a, a marketable skill. In. That is correct. There are also constant stories of, of setbacks in the practice. Things start going bad. There's an insurance problem, a legal problem, a personal problem at home. But we expect it to be a little different for a physician. We don't expect our doctor to make mistakes. And yet we can sometimes see that the doctor is not the same. People pick up on this. If someone is starting to pick up on this, and this may be a very delicate thing to do, what should they do about it? Is there any sense of their ability to intervene or is it? That's hard. It's a hard question, but people see it. In the very early stages, if it can be caught by colleagues, by, by a spouse, interventions take place. It's not to try to avoid stress altogether, but to manage the stress in a way that we avoid the negative consequences of it. Physicians need to understand that they are in control of their schedules. Is their load reasonable? The boundaries are the critical part because each individual patient that comes in is unaware of the cumulative effect of each of their demands. It's imperative that physicians have something other than medicine in their life that's good, that's fun, 
that's spiritually building up within them something that feels nice. They, they need this. They need to go find it if they don't have it. Yes, they need to be able to prioritize their lives. Absolutely. They need to be able to have that balance that their role is not to be someone who overworks. They're not superheroes and they cannot be slaves. They have to be in control of what they're doing and they shouldn't be sacrificing their evenings by working after hours, even if it means seeing fewer patients. And they shouldn't also be slaves to a self-image perhaps or a self-expectation that's not particularly productive. They need to take just a good old-fashioned walk on the beach and a hard look at where they're going in life. Exactly. That personal snapshot, looking at it and developing this introspection. And they have to ask themselves, do they really like what they're doing? And ask what they like and what they don't like. And in the course of their practice, to change doing more what they like than what they're not liking. And they have to ask themselves, am I good at what I do? Am I doing all that I'm good at? Is the work that I'm doing expressive of my core values? Do I or can I allow my values to influence my work? These are the important parts, not burning out and not being able to practice something that most of them love to do. These are very core, simple values. We have to take a look at ourselves in order to function. Sometimes it hurts a little bit to do it, but the end product of doing this can save our lives and save other people's lives as well. Dr. Jerry Williamson is the chief medical officer of CHS Healthcare in Florida, and we've been talking about burnout in physicians. It's been very interesting, and it gives a lot of thought that those who are practicing medicine are really just people. Dr. Williamson, thank you so much. Abby, thank you for having me.